Hey friends, welcome to God on Tap. And as always, I'm Nike Spaulding. And today we are hitting close to the end of Jude. We're actually at a big pivot moment, which is really fun to read through. And so we're going to do Jude 20 through 23, Jude 20 through 23. And I'm actually going to switch up translations. I typically always do the ESV. Uh, not that it's my favorite translation. It's just usually what, well, it's my, it's the Bible that I use. And so it's what I read out of. But honestly, I really like the way the net handled the translation in this passage. And so I'm going to read that one. So from the net, New English translation, here we go, verses 20 through 23. And there's my cat meowing. I hope y'all could hear that. Okay. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, Maintain yourselves in the love of God while anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life. And have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Have mercy on others coupled with a fear of God, hating even the clothes stained by the flesh. And this is the word of the Lord. Okay, so if you are a Jude audience member and you've received this letter, so far you're you're hearing a lot about the the false teachers. You're hearing a lot about how dangerous they are. You're hearing a lot about the warnings. You're hearing a lot. I mean, he's come to you and he's like, "Hey beloved, listen, you need to be super careful." And it might be fair for you to be like, "Okay, but like what what do I do?" Like like you've sent out all these warning signals. You're like, "Hey guys, be careful. There are wolves among you." And you can it's an honest question and then be like, Okay, so what, how do I be careful? Like practically, how do I actually live out then this Christian faith? If these are false teachers, if these are people that I need to be worried about, if these are the ones that you're saying, hey, listen, they will shipwreck you. How do we, as the community of God's people, the receivers of your letter, how do we actually functionally walk this out? And I believe this is the pivot point in the letter where Jude is now going to give those instructions. And so he sent out his warning. He's talked about the false teachers. He was very specific in our last couple of verses on these warnings, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And now there's this real pivot moment where now instead of really focusing his energy on the false teachers, he's really going to focus his energy on, okay, here's what you do, people of God. Here's what you do, those who claim to walk with God, those who want to honor the one true God, here is how, here's the game plan for you all. And I love it. It's almost, it's basically like a four-step process. And honestly, if you took these four steps and applied them to your own life, they're pretty good. It makes sense why God would preserve this letter for us, not just because he's doing his brother a favor. I think God's like, hey, here's some pretty good instructions for the church universal to hold for 2,000 years. And so basically here it is. You heard me read it. So the first one is this, is he talks about, the first one is make the gospel your foundation. If you look at the way that I started this out, and he's like, but you, beloved, build yourselves up by the most holy faith. So like use the gospel as the foundation to build upon it. That build yourself up, it's a metaphor that we see throughout the New Testament. We see this idea that the people of God are the eschatological temple. And what I mean by that is the people of God are the end times temple. Whereas in the Old Testament, there was this focus on this actual physical place called the temple in Jerusalem, where the people of God would come and they would worship. They would come for a major feast. They would come in a couple of times a year. And we know that God then says, listen, the temple is now you. I have chosen to take up residence in you. The new temple is now the people of God. And so because of that, because we have a new metaphor for what the temple is, it is so often that you see in the New Testament language, build yourselves up, build upon the foundation that is the prophets and the apostles and all of that. Edify each other. Make Jesus your cornerstone, which is all building language. And so right here he's saying, listen, 
Use the gospel. Use the holy faith as your foundation. Let that. Don't be like the false teachers who come and try to break things apart and knock things over, but instead you guys build yourself up on this sure foundation, which is the gospel. So that's number one. The second thing he tells them is pray. Pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, listen, build yourselves up in the Holy Faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, this could be one of those texts that people are like, oh, is this like some uh, charismatic prayer language? Is this um, is this speaking in tongues? All that? I, don't, I don't think that one Jude even gives us enough hints for me to answer that, but I really don't think it matters. And so whether you come from a charismatic background or not, however you pray in a earnest and honest way to the Lord, all of that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So whether you're speaking in a tongue that you are, that's your native tongue and your language, that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether you're speaking in tongues, which part of our Christian family and heritage does, they are still saying it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not a prayer language I possess. But either way, what he's saying is, listen, build upon the foundation and you do that by praying through the power of the Holy Spirit, through this third person that's Trinity, this intercessor for us, the, th- the person that's Trinity that takes our prayers and turns them into inexpressible grace like things we don't like he's the translator so to speak into this godly language so that our prayers are effective so unlike the false teachers which earlier jude says hey these guys i'm not even sure they have the holy spirit in them he's saying hey you people of god one build on the foundation that is the holy faith the gospel two pray through the power of the holy spirit and how we work those out in our individual communities we're going to do that i'm not looking for controversy so i'm not I, i don't think jude is even speaking to that so pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third one is he says, stay in God's will by obedience. Keep in the love of God. How do we stay in the love of God? We see this throughout the New Testament. It means obeying God. How will you know that you are my disciples? By obeying me. This is something John in the letter of First John, especially and throughout his letters, he talks about, listen, loving God requires that you have a moral, social, and theological litmus test. And the moral litmus test is that you would obey God. If you say you love God, then that means you obey it. So when Jude tells us, hey, maintain yourselves in the love of God, what does love of God look like for humans? What's our response to the love of God? It's obedience. That's what how we respond to a God, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God who offers us unadulterated, pure love, the way we respond to that, the way Jesus taught us to respond to that in his ministry and the way that the rest of the scriptures say, this is how you show fidelity to a God who is giving you covenant love is through obedience to him. That's what it means. And so Jude is continuing on that idea. If you want to stay in the love of God, that means obeying the will of God, which is a direct contrast to what the false teachers are doing, right? They're disobeying God. So he's spent all this time in the letter. Hey, here's these false teachers. Here's what they're doing wrong. They hate the law. They're disobedient, blah, 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 blah. Now you, dear ones, beloved ones, now you, one, build your foundation on the gospel. Two, pray by the power of the spirit. Three, stay in God's love. Stay in his will by obedience. And finally, the fourth one is to set your hope on Christ's coming. I use the net translation because I I like the way that they phrase it. And it says, while anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life. That mercy, that term for the mercy of Jesus Christ, that is language that's taken from the New Testament context to talk about the judgment of Jesus. That, And of course, leave it to Jude to quote something from First Enoch. First Enoch 1, especially verse 14, talks about Jesus is the one who was appointed 
to, to be able to judge in the end, God has given him the right to die. And then, you know, we will all die and then face judgment. Jesus has been appointed by his father to be able to meet out that judgment. So when he, that phrase, the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is a phrase that if you're reading that in the New Testament, it would hearken you back to this language about the coming, the second coming of Christ. The coming where Jesus is going to come, not as the lamb to be slaughtered, but instead as the lion who roars from Judah, and he's coming to judge the living and the dead. Okay, and so what Jude is saying is, listen, hey, a life of a life pleasing to God. So these false teachers, they're dangerous. They'll shipwreck you. You need to be careful about them. A life pleasing to God is one that sets its foundation on the gospel. Two, praised by the power of the Spirit. Three, obeys the will of God. And four, looks forward to the day when Christ will return, that they set their hope on that day, that we don't place our hope in these re- in these things that promise us you know, salvation that cannot deliver, but instead we look forward to the day. We look forward to the day when Jesus will come to judge living and the dead because in looking forward to it, we know that because of his blood, his righteousness, his goodness applied to our account, we can look forward to that day because it'll be a day where we are met with mercy. It's a day when we look forward to it, we don't, we don't tremble wondering what if, but instead we have a sure hope, a sure assurance that when that day of judgment comes, it is one that we will be met, those who call on the name of the Lord, those who build their life on the foundation of the gospel, those who pray by the power of the Spirit, those who obey the, the commands of God, those who trust their, put their faith in the faithful one, who trust in Jesus for their salvation for us. It's a day of mercy. And so we can set our hope looking forward to it. So that's the, th- the four things. And I love it. It's this incredible pivot point, right? You get this picture of just how pastoral Jude is. He starts out his letter. Hey, guys, I'm the half-brother of James. Super humble dude. Mercy and grace. I was going to write to you about this, but then I got to write to you about that. By the way, these false teachers, bow, 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 uppercut, uppercut, you know, right, left, swing, all that stuff. And then he's like, but you guys, listen, listen. This is how you live a life. Of obedience. This is what Christian faithfulness looks like. Here's the recipe. It's not a secret sauce. It's not some hidden knowledge. It's not that some people have it. It's something that we're going to write down, and there's going to be other New Testament authors that say the same things, and it's a life this. Your life is built upon the gospel, the holy faith that's handed to you by the prophets, the apostles that say to you, Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, and died for your sins, and then because you have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you as a community, you guys are going to pray in the power of the Spirit, and because you have the Spirit that he is he is making all things new, he's allowing you to walk in obedience of God, not perfectly, we're not perfect, but we are going to try, we're going to put this effort to remain in the love of God, all the while placing our hope on a future day, because this is not our home, and a better day is to come. That's pretty good teaching, right? I mean, that's that's a pretty good Christian message. And so I think Jude's on to something. But then this interesting thing happens is Jude tells that to them. And then we have this like transition. And then he begins to talk about having mercy on the others. And I love this part of Jude. Because what Jude is essentially saying is, like, hey, you guys, you need to be careful about these false teachers, but here's what you're going to do. And he gives them that fourfold, that four process, four-step process of remaining But then he talks about, but how do you deal with these false prophets? Like, how do you deal with these false teachers among you? And kind of what you expect, if Judah is not pastoral, kind of what you expect is he's like, gouge out their eyes, cut out their tongues, send them into the desert to die a, a painful death, right? That was, I realized that was super graphic and gross, but you kind of expect it, right? He's talking about, listen, they're gonna shipwreck your lives. They're gonna, they will absolutely cause you great harm. They will drag you away. And instead, Instead, we see the beauty that is the gospel, 
that it means nobody is beyond the saving work of Jesus Christ. And Jude believes this. And so he says to them, listen, doing this fourfold way of the Christian life, also have mercy on those who doubt. Have mercy on those who waver. What is he talking about? He's talking about those who would have, who would lead people astray. He's like, listen, hey, have mercy on those folks, not kick them in the face and throw them out. But he's like, be merciful toward them. And then he goes on and he says, save them. Save them by snatching them out of the fire. What does that mean? The fire is this understanding of the end times. The New Testament writers often spoke with a fervency about the second coming of Christ because they really believed it was imminent, that it could come any day. And listen, I believe we're supposed to live with the same fervency and same belief that Jesus can come any day. But what has happened is because 2,000 years of history has gone by, we've kind of deadened these things. Like, I don't think we believe, like, I think Jude and Paul and others really believed that Jesus could come back any day. Like, I don't think they fully grasped that the kingdom of God was going to be unleashed and have a couple thousand years and who knows how much longer. But I think the fervency in which they lived, hey, any day now. And so this idea, this fire imagery is one that, hey, a judgment is coming and you can snatch people from that day of judgment. You can snatch them from the fires that are coming by being merciful to them. By being merciful to them. And we know that the rest of the New Testament talks about how do we do that? We point out the error in their ways. We speak truth to them. We love them despite their sin. We love them despite their failures. Like we show mercy to them. That though they might be our, our spiritual enemies, so to speak, we need to understand that there's a real enemy out there and they are all prisoners of war. Right? The real enemy is one that is going to be vanquished by Jesus Christ. Like we have a real enemy. There, there's a, there's an, there's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And those who are under his influence, they're not, they're not like our mortal enemies so much as they are prisoners of war that we are sent out as ambassadors to cross enemy lines and say, listen, it's not too late for you. It's not too late for you to walk away from this. And what a pastoral moment for Jude. Right? He has warned them, hey, these people are like clouds with no rain. They are like hidden reefs. They will destroy you, but also people of God. Be merciful to them. Snatch them from the imminent fire that could come for them. And he says, do that while also being coupled with the fear of God. Snatch them from the fire, but don't contaminate yourself. Grab them, but be careful. And he talks about this. Um, it says, hating even the clothes stained by the flesh. And what this means is the Greek is actually a really funky way. Um, like a, a more literal translation would say, hating even the tunic spotted by the flesh. What this means is the tunic is the piece of clothes that clothing that's closest to the body. And what Jude is trying to say, he's using like a metaphor to say like their sinful flesh because they have engaged in so much sexual sinfulness. They are so contaminated by their disobedience that the tunic which lays against their body is spotted. Like it's it's now contaminated because it's touching this sinful thing. Now, he's not being literal here. He's trying to paint a picture. He's like, hey, listen, you go snatch them from the fire, but do so along with the fear of God where you hate even the, the clothes stained by the flesh. Like you're able to say, listen, I, I'm going to try and snatch you from the fire, but I'm not going to make nice with the fire, the things that lead to fire. Like I'm going to try and snatch, like I'm going to point out, I'm going to rebuke you because I'm going to have mercy on you because I don't believe that there's anybody too far gone. But listen, I'm not, I'm not going to make nice with it. And so like I was thinking about this metaphor and I, y'all, I kid y'all not when I was in college and y'all know how in college we're like super stupid. So I, I don't even remember this girl's name. Like literally if, if somehow 
in, in the mercy of God. I don't, I don't know. Somehow, if, if I'm telling this story and this is you, I literally don't even know who this is. I don't even know that I'm still friends with this person, but I have a very vivid memory of this happening because I thought it was one of the most ridiculous, absurd things I've ever heard. And here's what it is. There was a girl that I apparently was friends with. I think I was a freshman or sophomore at college. And she had a crush on a guy who she was a Christian and he was not. And so that's problematic. And so she was like, listen, I can't date you until you're a Christian. And he was like, what? Why? And she was like, it's just against my beliefs to date anybody who's not a Christian. So, okay, great. Like, sure. I think I think that it's important for us to, to date those who walk with God that hold these same core values, right? So here we go. So he says, okay, well, uh, what what do we have to do? Or she says, what do I have to do to get you to go to church? And he says, listen, I'll go to church with you if you'll get drunk with me. Now, <laughs> uh, most of us who are listening to this hopefully realize how ridiculous that is. So, but if you if you haven't realized that, that's stupid, right? To replace like going to like this is exactly what Jude is warning against. She like she should be merciful to this doubter, right? This girl just because she won't date him doesn't mean that she would just toss him away and say you too far beyond the the grasp of God. No, there's nobody too far. Even these false teachers, even these people who are hidden wreaths, even these people who would shipwreck you. Jude is like, hey y'all, but have mercy on them. Snatch them from the fire. It's not too late. It is not too late to grab them back because the mercy of God knows no boundaries. It can grab even the hardest of hearts. And we know that from the other church. Gosh, one of the things I love about this passage is Jude himself did not believe until after the resurrection of his brother. There are passages in the gospels where the brothers of Jesus rebuke Jesus, not understanding that he's a savior. Jude gets it. He gets doubt. He gets wavering. He gets unbelief. It's why it's so beautiful that he's like, hey guys, have mercy on those people. And don't think that anybody's beyond the reach of God. Nobody's beyond the reach of God. However, do not grab them by the fire while also letting them pull you into it. Like, don't get in their hot tub. Like, their hot tub is so close to the water or to the fires that their water is warm. Like, do not get in that hot tub. Like, do not, do not snatch them from the fire while also soiling your own tunic. It's a metaphor, but he's trying to take it forward. So here's this girl in college. I want to date you. Okay, great. You want to date a boy, cute boy, whatever. We all get it. So I need you to be a Christian. And he's like, okay, I will come to church, but you got to get drunk with me. This is exact, like, this is as absurd as that example is. This is exactly what I think Jude is talking about. But I didn't really understand the book of Jude in college. So instead I was like, you're stupid. That's what I said to this girl. So clearly I have grown in my pastoral sensibilities and I think I would word it a little differently. And I think I would have been kinder to him. I think I would have been kinder to him to say, hey, you know not what you're saying. And that it is not good for this young girl to get drunk with you. Like statistically, that is problematic. When young people get drunk, it is not good. And you do not know what you do. So rather than me looking at you with derision and contempt, instead I can try and snatch you from this fire and say, hey guy, listen, there is more to life than alcohol and girls. There is an abundant life that leads to the eternal life. There is more to life than playing with fire. May I introduce you to the one who can snatch you from the fire, the one who can bring you to the merciful place of eternal life? Can I introduce you to the one who's greater than any hookup, any alcoholic experience, any ridiculous thing that we all chase in college? Instead, can I introduce you to him? And instead, I think what I said was, y'all are stupid. And then that was that because, you know, frankly, I was an idiot too. So, but that absurd example is a good example of what I think Jude is talking about. He's saying, listen, you guys need to have mercy on these folks. You need to have mercy on these unbelievers. You need to have mercy on these false teachers. Now, 
the extent to which you have mercy upon them cannot be so that you identify with them and partner with them in such a way that you become contaminated, for lack of a better word, right? If your, if your merciful ministry to them is causing you to no longer obey the perfect will of God, then you, you're crossing lines, right? So don't kid yourself. Like, don't, don't like, hate even the tunic that is spotted by flesh. Like, hate the material that, it, like, he's trying to give you the intensity of emotion you should feel towards rebellion from God. That you should have such strong emotion against rebellion from God that he would say, even the tunic, which lays against the body, that begins to be spotted, you should even hate that. You should hate sin so much that you hate the result of it touching and contaminating other things. It's strong, metaphorical picture, but I think it accomplishes what Jude's saying. So what's our big so what? I, I, I just, it's such a beautiful part of Jude, right? Because so much of it has been uh, punching and good and rightful punching, right? I mean, it's good. It's good warning. It's a good, hey guys, big flashing neon sign, danger, 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 right? And he leaves nothing to chance. Like he's not like, hey guys, if you play with that, you could get burned. He's like, no, if you play with that, you will die. And he's not like, hey guys, if you play with that, he might bite you and it gets infected. No, if you play with it, he'll eat you and you'll die. Hey guys, if you play with that, it might hurt a little bit. No, 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 you'll die. Death death. You're going to die. If you follow them, you will die. And so it's a really strong message from Jude. And then there's this pivot. Hey, to you receiving this letter, I know you're worried. So this is how you walk in obedience. Put your faith in the gospel. Pray in the power of the spirit. Stay in God's will by obeying him. Stay in the love of God by obeying him. And then place your hope on the mercy that is to come for those who claim in the Lord Jesus. And, and, to the extent that you can, grab those people and pull them back from that flame. Grab those people. Have mercy on those people. Understand that they are not so much your enemies, but they are prisoners of war against the big enemy. And have mercy on them. Pray for them. Grab them. Don't, don't make nice with their sin. right? Don't make nice with the things that are the enemies of God, which is sin and death. Don't make nice with those things. But have mercy on those who struggle under them. Yes, even those those rainless clouds and those hidden reefs have mercy on them. What a picture of what it means to be pastoral, that we are brutally honest about the sin that so easily entangles us, that we are brutally honest about the path that leads to destruction, that we would not say, hey, y'all, that's a cliff, and it's kind of sharp, but instead we go, that's a cliff that leads to death back up. And yet, we do not lose sight the fact that there's nobody beyond the reach of God and that a life of faithfulness is one built on the gospel, prayer, obedience, and hope. What an incredible picture of what it means to be a Christian that Jude is laying out for his readers. And so the big so what for us is just that, is what Jude is telling us, that build your life upon the claim of the gospel. Pray in the power of the Spirit. Walk with God all the days of your life and set your face to eternity, knowing that when that day comes, you will be met with mercy because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then as you encounter those who walk that path to destruction and try to take others with him, that you would be merciful to them. Tell the truth, but that you would be merciful to them. What an incredible encouragement to all of us. All right, friends, I loved this passage. I hope it encourages you all. And if nobody's told you that they love you, I do. But way more importantly, the God of mercy is crazy about you. Peace.